We have a mix of insurance industry veterans. We have people from the nonprofit sector who kind of come from that, you know, world of, you know, addressing social issues and social impact. Uh, and then we have, you know, people who have been uh, in both worlds. So it's a perfect mix of, you know, digital natives, uh, industry veterans, uh, and social entrepreneur types that's worked in the nonprofit sector that all converge to bring a real heart to insurance. Great. So I'm pleased to be here today with Dr. Keishan Webster. He is the founder of Compassion Society Benefits. Dr. Webster, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right, it's great. So let's jump right into it. First off, it'd be great if you could let uh, folks know a bit about your background and and kind of how you became an entrepreneur. I'm a New Orleans homegrown native. Uh, grew up in a community, single family, single parent family, uh, and just knew too well, you know, the life of struggle and challenge. And part of what I wanted to do uh, throughout my life is just to. I work in an area where I could be a contribution to my community uh, and really help change the environment that I grew up in. Uh, but also I continued to study uh, and was intrigued by social issues and how they impacted the lives of people and community. Uh, and from that, developed scholarship and uh, looked deeper into issues of work-life balance and ultimately uh as a social scientist, you know, just became really intrigued by this notion of work-life balance based on my own personal experiences uh, with accumulated stress from being on this vicious cycle of, you know, trying to pursue this American dream, also uh, making time for family, uh, and also trying to be a contributing citizen to a community. Today, when you see in corporations uh, attrition, uh, the real underbelly of attrition these days, about 73% of workers who are leaving jobs are leaving jobs often because there's something related to a caregiving situation that they're in. And they feel pinched between the family obligation and the commitments of the job. So taking all those things into consideration, uh, this discovery around a need to address the wage loss uh, led me to develop the caregiver family leave product. And that was something that uh, came from research. Uh, I'm not an insurance insider, but I've always known how to identify and trend social needs. And how do you see Compassion Society benefits kind of fitting into the overall uh, insure tech and insurance industry landscape? So we see ourselves as a disruptor. We are an emerging MGA, uh, and we have carved out a niche around this notion of work-life balance. We hear a lot of talk about that, but what does it look like? And what is it there in this industry that allows us the freedom to create and innovate around the growing needs and demands for 21st century families to achieve work-life balance. The idea of really being able to uh, not just live, you know, work to live, but that 
work serves a purpose for us to have the life we want, uh, to have quality time with family, and to be able to um, be responsive and show up as the caring human beings that we are when when duty calls. And and so there's 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 certain types of employees, obviously, that have been moved to work from home environment, and then there's others that have more frontline jobs that you know can't be moved to work from home. Um, do you see uh, particular subsets of the population that that um, companies really ought to be looking at more closely uh, to to improve their overall corporate resilience? Well, I think it's it's been an interesting dynamic because when we look at the times we're living through and the CARES Act, and for the first time, uh, the federal government required companies to pay people for caregiving leave related to COVID. Uh, but for the first time, companies that may not have offered paid caregiving leave uh, they were hit in the pockets and had to pay for that. So that was probably some unexpected expenses incurred in addition to all the other financial losses that companies have uh, endured during this pandemic. But what we see now is just we're trying to lure people back into the workforce because let's admit uh, some of the government unemployment uh, in most industries was more than what you know, low wage and average wage people were making on a regular basis. Right. So you have to figure out, okay, do I work uh, for my company or do I continue to get the unemployment benefit? Uh, most had decided that they were going to really get the unemployment benefit. So companies now have to look at more competitive ways to address uh, workers' needs in a different way and having benefits, richer benefits like paid family leave, caregiver leave is something that we're seeing uh, the consciousness level raise across companies uh, because let's face it, we've never been hit like this in history with uh, a, a global pandemic of the likes that we've uh, suffered with this in our lifetime at least. So I think companies are looking at new ways. So... Um most of the folks I speak to who are founders, you know, quite frankly, are, you know, white males of a particular age demographic. You know, being an African American growing up um, in the Ninth Ward, and you know, coming more from a social entrepreneurship background, nonprofit background, and now moving into the, you know, uh, MGA space. You know, do you think there's Anything in particular that you, you you bring from your own personal perspective? Well, absolutely. Uh, this is an industry, and it's pretty well documented as uh, it's been dominated by uh, white men. Uh, so people of color and women, minorities, have not been well represented in the insurance uh, field. So it's definitely uh, an opportunity uh, for me as a person of color to really kind of uh, understand where some of this what where some of the disparities lie and why certain disparities exist in the industry. And what we've been trying to do consciously is have a company that represents diversity, new thoughts, new ideas, uh, also looking at assumptions of products because you know oftentimes, Products are designed with certain assumptions about markets, and at the same time, uh, some are not 
included. So there's sometimes excluded markets based on theories of what people are willing to pay. But what we've looked at, and as a person of color, I've looked at this whole emergence of microinsurance in third world countries where people who are goat herders are you know, paying into insurance plans because they understand that if they're in goat herding and that's you know, viable to their families, you know, lifeline existence that they have to protect their, their herd. So if it takes a nickel a week to protect that, then they're willing to make that investment. So when you look at micro insurance in third world countries and companies, countries that are populated by people of color, uh, it has become a multi-billion dollar industry, which defies all of the logic that we've applied to some of our uh, product design uh, in U.S. insurance companies. So I think because of my background, I you know take those things into consideration and see that there is an opportunity for financial inclusivity of certain markets and niches that have been left behind or disregarded in terms of their eligibility or willingness to protect what they consider a valuable life asset or whatnot. You know, as you look at the, the younger generations, they, they have a different demographic profile. And so the messages that will resonate with them are going to be different. And I think the industry needs to get more people with a diversity of ideas, diversity of perspectives who understand, you know, what will resonate so that the product can get to them and these new markets can be opened up. I mean, do you have any particular thoughts or have you observed that at all in the way you've tried to, you know, craft your um, distribution strategies and marketing messages? Yes. You know, like I said, you know, you have industry veterans uh, who is an aging population. Uh, most on well, most reports, they account for uh, those industry veterans are now in their 60s or 70s. And there's a gap between entrants who are coming into the insurance industry uh, versus those who have been there for 30, 40 years. So our strategy is you know, looking at how we blend those generations, you know, and since our approach to distribution is really looking at digital channels in ways uh, that can reach our market, uh, bringing in young, bright talent uh, with all the tech savviness uh, and pairing them up with those veteran leaders that have, you know, figured out how to conquer, you know, the, the sales approach and markets, uh, and really having a mentor relationship has been really interesting to watch because some of these older guys are learning from these younger guys how to bring technology to what they're doing, while the younger guys also learn in the industry and how to perfect the sales pitch and really reach and talk to markets using those familiar tools that the industry is has used. And then how do we evolve those tools to reach uh you know, the the millennials and those invincibles that, you know, the market have not been able to pe penetrate. So it's definitely a, a, a interesting nexus to see how the two have evolved. And that is a deliberate and intentional staffing pattern that we're using right now. Yeah. Great. Well, Dr. Webster, really appreciate your time and your insights and, uh, you know, look forward to seeing um, 
you know, Compassion Society benefits continue to grow in the marketplace and, and hopefully spread to more states and be able to get more people covered.